You're listening to A Year of Spiritual Formation. Each episode will share a message covering an aspect of our eight doctrinal focuses for the year. In addition, each series will include a bonus episode of Ask a Theologian, where Pastor Dave will sit down with a theologian to have a conversation about the series topic. Listen in for our third episode of God Unveiled, where we learn how God is relational. in the middle, uh, week number three of a year of spiritual formation. So what we've decided this year as a church is that we were going to take the year uh, over eight series to build a foundation of what it means to be a Christian on Christian theology. How many of you find the word theology to sound a little scary? We've got, we got a few people, a few people telling the truth and others that are still scared and just too scared to put their hands up. Um, theology sounds like a scary word, and spiritual formation may sound like a scary thing, but the reality is theology is the study of God, and everyone has a belief about God. So whether uh, I'm going to talk about theology or not, the reality is you have theology. You have a belief about who God is. You have an understanding of who you believe God to be, and what we want to do is we want to get on the same page of what it means and who it is that God is. Because otherwise, um, have you ever been in a situation where you've said the same words and then you came out of the conversation and realized you said the same words but meant two different things? No one. Said the same words, meant two different things. So it's important that we get onto the same terms, the same words, so we can build the same foundation. Right. Um, now, if, if you've not been here before, one thing that I, that I should encourage you and let you know about our culture is we as a church are a responsive culture. So uh, when I ask a question, it's generally not rhetorical. You can actually respond back to it. And I highly encourage you to because we are a church that does community together. And what I've learned in my walk with Jesus is that no one can walk my walk with Jesus for me. So that's the fact about that. The reason when we worship, it's not the band that worships, but it's us that worship is because you actually have to have your own relationship with Jesus. They can't have a relationship for you. So I encourage you when I say something that's good, please let me know. I would I'd love to know that because then I would say maybe some more good things. Um, but just if you've been a part of a different church culture, uh, you may have, what? Did I may say more good things? Yeah, it's good. It's a motivating factor. Yes, that's right. Um, if, if you do not respond, I will only say bad things. It'll turn into a hellfire and doomsday preach is what will happen, right? So that's, this is like a choose-your-own-adventure sort of preach, right? If we, if we get the right response, then we get the right answers. If we get the wrong response, no. Um, I'm just letting you know that you may have been a part of a different culture where you have to be silent in church or where joy and laughter didn't exist. That wasn't God's culture. God actually is a culture of joy and laughter and fun and participation. And we do need someone more than just Alex responding, right? So you have to work that with me. But here we are, introduction, year of spiritual formation. So our series verse is this, Psalm 46, 10 to 11. It says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This scripture is our series verse because it's this, be still and know that I am God. There is a, a reality that you can know God. Just because you may not be able to know God exhaustively 
does not mean you can't know God sufficiently. None of us have the ability to know all there is about God, but we all have the ability to know more about what there is of God. And there's something very... um, uh, what's, what's, uh, there's something very stabilizing when we can be still and just know who God is. Not have to try and figure out who he is or try and figure out the right ways to approach him or the right this or that, but just be still in a moment and know who God is. And this is our desire over this series is to get a better knowledge as we dig into the doctrine of God. We've titled this series, God Unveiled. Is that right? feel like I'm going to lie to you. I'm waiting for the screen to confirm what I believe. It doesn't have it there. It's all right. <laughs> so week number one, we talked about God as Trinity. Right. And what we were expressing, Pastor Dave, our lead pastor, uh, shared that message across the church. And what he was expressing was the essential need to know that God is three in one. Right. And knowing that God is three in one has implications for our knowledge and our relationship with God. The second week, last week, Pastor Dave was here in person and he shared on God is creator. That God creates, that it is part of his nature to create. When God spoke, it created things. When you speak, it creates things. Because we are created in the image of God. Therefore, the things that are the image of God are things that we may have access to as his humanity or as his creation. Today, we're going to take a look at Genesis 3, verse 8. And I do encourage you to write notes. And maybe when you're writing notes, if you're a part of a midweek group, if you're not, you you probably should be. But while you're writing notes, it'd be a great time to write some questions. Because today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about this message. And midweek groups are all about asking the question and dissecting my message and saying all the things I did wrong, right? So it's your spot to really uncover what you believe about it. Because I can tell you what to believe, but until you have a belief, it doesn't change your life, right? It's the participation factor. No one can walk your relationship with Jesus for you, even if they want to. It's like as a parent, I can't make the decisions for my kids, although I'd like to. I make way better decisions than they do. And God would like to make decisions for you. He makes way better decisions than you do. No one laughed, but that's okay. Genesis 3 verse 8 in the ESV, it says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. We're going to leave that scripture out uh, as I go for a little bit here. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife, this is Adam and Eve, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Would you bow your heads? I'm going to pray. Jesus, thank you for being here. Amen. My title for this message... sufficient, right, Lucas? That was sufficient, right, Lucas? He's not sure. My title for this message is simple. God is relational. God is relational. I have three points. And here's the point of, um, you know, these last three weeks, and next week, Pastor Kimberly will be up here preaching. um, And the point of each of these is to recognize things that are not uh, additions to God. So when we talk about the nature of God, it's nothing that can be um, added or subtracted from him. So that's why it's important that we started with God as Trinity. So God is three in one, one in three. Do we understand it? No. It's mystery of who God is. But because he's three in one, that also means he is 
in his essence, relational. God doesn't have relationships. He is relationship. He is relationship. He has no choice but to be relationship because he is three in one. I tried to think of pictures and, you know, Pastor Dave, three weeks ago, he talked about all the pictures not to use, right? The egg and the, the apple, which Bob used in C3 Kids, but, you know, I'm just throwing them under the bus for a moment. And I tried to think about pictures. And here's the thing is when we get into the nature of who God is, pictures do never do it justice. It just doesn't. I'm like, okay, like God, three in one, naturally in relationship. You know what? The perfect picture came to my mind, which was not at all the perfect picture. Conjoined twins. See? It didn't work, did it? It was the closest thing I could come up with. It's the closest thing. God is creative, but apparently I am not. No, I'm joking. God is relational. Because he is three in one, his essence is relationship. Relationship is not something added or subtracted or that can be added or subtracted from him. So therefore, because God is relational... Now, this is, always, this is always the point of this, right? Because we think, why are we talking about theology? Because who God is changes how I relate to him, right? If I don't understand who God is, uh, or if I don't understand rightly who God is, I'm going to approach him in a different way. If I don't understand rightly that I've been created in God's image, then I don't uh, approach my life the right way. So God is relational. Therefore, I am designed relationally. Now, I think um, when I say something like that, people think to themselves, I'm an introvert. I don't need people. Introverts need people too. Isn't it interesting? In Genesis 2 verse 18, God creates Adam. He creates man. And immediately the first thing he says is not good is that the man is alone. Sunlight, good. Daytime, good. Animals, good. Vegetation, good. Water, good. Man, good. But what is not good? Man alone. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. In your very nature, because you were created by the creator who created you in the image of him, I know there was a lot of creators, you by nature are relational. It's why the church exists. Isn't it interesting that the church cannot exist without more than one person? Let me give you a scripture for that in a moment. Matthew 18, 19 to 20. It says, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Wait a second. God, you've made this impossible. Why didn't you say where one is gathered? I'm there. Where one is gathered, I am there. He says, no, where two or more are gathered, two or three are gathered, I am there. God has designed us in the context of his essence to be relational. And isn't it interesting that he says, once two are there, I'll be there. Once two are there, I will be a part of that relational because my essence is to be related with my creation. Where two or more are gathered, he is there. I, I just always find the, the um, uh, exclusions in Scripture so interesting, right? So, wait, but, but won't you be there if there's one? Well, yeah, you can have some prayer time with God, but even that, there's never one. Because God is three in one. 
two or more gathered, I'm there. Even I love that we took communion together this morning. And I'm always um, uh, reminded, uh, or maybe it was during 2020, I was reminded about communion because it got a little funny trying to do some of our church practices without being in person. Um, and I, I remember realizing that communion is something you cannot do alone. Communion is designed to do amongst other people. To take the bread and the cracker together in 1 Corinthians 11, 17 to 22 and 33 to 34. I'll read these to you. I don't remember if I gave them. I did, great. Uh, but in the following instructions, I do not commend you because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. A division is a disintegration of relationship. And I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order for those who are genuine among you uh, may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. Wait, when there's divisions, it's no longer the Lord's Supper. Did you hear that? When there's a break of relationship, even if it's bread and even if it's wine, it's no longer the Lord's Supper. He gives a distinction. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses, houses to eat and drink it? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I, comment, uh, shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let me eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give directions when I come. Paul's making it very clear that relationship, being together, is a part of what the church is. There are no lone rangers in church. Because where there's a lone ranger, there is no church. Because out of the essence, out of the overflow of love, out of the essence of who God is, he is relational. It's not something that can be added or removed from him. It's inescapable. What I love in that is that fellowship then with God is strictly a matter of his gift to us. Yeah. It is nothing we could personally obtain. Yeah. I thought of this, um, I think Pastor Dave shared it two weeks ago. He talked about the Trinity and talked about that because God is three in one, out of the overflow of that becomes, uh, it was the, out of the overflow of love that existed that he created. So God did not create humanity out of his need because he had everything within himself. He had relationship within himself. He had love within himself. But out of the overflow of his love, creation came. And I think in its pure form, that really is uh, what the relationship of man and woman in marriage is. Out of the overflow of love becomes creation. That out of the overflow of the relationship that I have with my spouse, we've created children. Not out of our need. Although sometimes my children may say to me, you only had kids so they could do your chores for you at which I also remember commending my parents about as well. But any of you who have children will know, or any of you who don't have children will know as well, most people don't have kids to have chores done for them. But out of an overflow of the love they have for their partner. Now, I know that we live in a world that that is not always the case, but in its purest form. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's the overflow of love that creates beautiful image. So the first point is God, God's essence is relational. The second point for you is God wants us to know his name so we can call him. Can we go to that first verse, Genesis 3 verse 8? So I don't know about you, um, whether you've ever read the Bible, because 
you know, it's not a requirement to come into church. Um, but I, I recently bought this Bible for myself at the beginning of the year. And uh, uh, I wanted a new Bible, so I bought one. <laughs> that was about it. And I'm going through the Bible in a year. And there's something interesting. I don't know if you've ever noticed. Uh, this is the case in most English Bibles. Is it says, and the Lord, sorry, and they heard the sound of the Lord God. Do you see in here, it doesn't show exactly as it does in the Bible, but it's all caps, Lord. You see that? And in your Bible, most English versions has it in all caps, but small. Small all caps, I think that's what it's called. I'm not great there. Let me read you something from the front of my Bible, if I may. Um, As is common among English translations today, the ESV usually renders the personal name of God, Y-H-W-H. Sometimes you'll hear people say Yahweh, but really it's just consonant, so we don't know 100% how it's pronounced. Uh, Usually renders the personal name of Yahweh, by the word LORD printed in small capitals. So did you recognize, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but when it says LORD in small capitals, it's actually demonstrating that he's given his given name. We just think LORD, but actually in that moment, it's saying his name, Yahweh. It's, and they heard the sound of Yahweh, God, walking in the garden. And you may have heard in the, the first instance of our spirit, year of spiritual formation, uh, the vision message when Pastor Dave shared about the distinction that most religions w- would say that it was impossible to say the name of their God because that would have been too relational. Have you ever been in a room where there's multiple people in this, with the same name? And then you have to find a distinction of it. Here we have, they're not in the room, but we have two Eli's. And whenever they're both in the room, I then have to figure out how to say and define which Eli I'm speaking to. But God has given us a name and, and maybe you don't like it uh, or maybe not all people like it. But the reality is we actually believe in Jesus, not just a God. We actually believe there is one God, one true God, and he has a name, and he doesn't actually compare it to the other gods that you've seen. He gave us a name so we could distinguish him not as a God, but the God, the one true God. You find throughout scripture every time, even in, in, um, uh, in Exodus, uh, it, it, it's recorded that Moses comes to Pharaoh, um, maybe you know the story, and he asks for him to re- remove his, um, the Israelites from slavery. And Pharaoh's quoted in saying this, um, this sort of interesting thing. I'm just trying to pull it up here. Pardon me? I do have a lot of pages. Thank you for acknowledging that. <laughs> Not everyone's to talk. No, I'm joking. I don't even have it on the pages, so that's helpful. Um, but there's this story and Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says, Pharaoh, please let our people go so we can serve the Lord God. And Pharaoh says, who is this Lord God you speak of? I don't know him. Well, 10 plagues later, he knew who that Lord God was. And he said, let them go and serve their God. He identified not a God, but the God. Paul, when he comes to the, uh, the council and they have a, a, a statue or a monument to the unknown God, he says, let me give you a name for this unknown God. We, we don't actually have a belief as a Christian church in our doctrine or theology, in our history. We don't have a belief in multitude of gods or that what everyone says who God is is the same as who we say God is. 
And there's a reason a lot of the times you'll see in our songs and whatever, you'll see us use the name Jesus because we're just trying to make a very clear picture and demonstration that, hey, sorry, there is Jesus who is the Godhead, Jesus who is a part of the Godhead. But sometimes I know when you say God, we're not meaning the same things. We have two different words here. I like this. Um, am I jumping ahead of myself? I probably am. So I'll, I'll pause that for a second. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a really in, interesting thing, though, when he says, the Lord God walking in the garden, cool of the day, that he has given us his name so we can identify who we are speaking to. Doesn't mean I always have the words when I'm praying. Doesn't mean I always have the words when I'm worshiping. But I do know who I'm directing those words to. When Kimberly, this is my wife, uh, right here, she was up earlier. Um, when we met, um, she, she and I met, we met at a block party thing. Is, is that where we met? Or we met before that? Anyways, we were at a block party thing, and I uh, thought I was all that, right? So, um, you know, read between the lines, as you will. I thought I was all that. So, you know, after we'd met shortly after, I said, oh, well, you know, Kimberly, I'd, I'd love to have your number. Kimberly did not think I was all that. She was not sure that giving this man my number would be a good idea. And in that very moment, she got to decide what access I had to her. She would tell this story better than me, but I am very aware that she, for a period of time, debated not giving me her number, but a number that started with 555. (laughs) And that only upon calling it would I discover that she had not given me access to reach out to her. Lo and behold, the Lord was on my favor that day. And she did give me her number. And it's the same with God here where he gives his name. What he's saying is, I'm giving you permission to reach out to me. A number of years, or sorry, maybe a year ago, a number of months ago, I, uh, I had one of our team members here uh, called me in the middle of the night about an emergency, something that was going on. And I woke up the next morning and discovered that they were not on my favorites list. Anyone have a phone with a favorites list? You know, people who are allowed to call you and it will ring through and people who are not. And I changed it. And I told them, you should have been able to call me because I was giving permission to be disturbed. We are awaiting in our family a uh, arrival of a, um, another niece, Kimberly's sister is due promptly for a baby. So when I get up in the morning I have my phone sitting beside my bedside, and if it rings in the middle of the night, it'll ring there. When I get up and I go to the gym, I take the phone and I take it to the gym to make sure I didn't leave the phone in the kitchen, and it rings, and I discover, and I take it to the gym, and if it rings, I will get it. Go in the shower, it goes on the side, and you, know, you get what I'm saying? I'm giving permission to be interrupted. When God gives you his name, he's telling you, you have permission to interrupt me. You have permission. It's, it's like maybe, maybe this doesn't happen these days, but every once in a while there used to be this thing when people called you. They're like, do you have time right now? Are you available? You know, I know now you have to text before you're allowed to call, but you know, if, you know the days where you were allowed to call people? Um, yeah, I always get my sister. If I call her, she's like, what? <laughs> Verbatim. But, you know, you used to call people, and, and when you got on the phone, you'd say, like, uh, you know, they'd say, oh, is, is this a good time? Are you available? Usually that's the sign it's a telemarketer these days. But um, God's saying, I'm available. You can interrupt me. You don't have to ask if it's a good time. When's the last time you prayed and asked God, is now a good time? 
But when's the last time you sort of thought that in your spirit? Like, oh, this isn't, this isn't worth interrupting him for. There's other people that need him more than I do. No, no. He's given you his name. So that you could speak to him at any time, at any moment. If it's 2 a.m. and you wake up in the middle of the night, you can pray. If you've had the brakes cut on your car, you don't know what to do, you can pray. If life is wonderful, you can pray. Because he's giving you his name. He's granted you permission. And God has granted us because he's the only one who could grant it. And he's granted it because out of the overflow of the Trinity, the love that he had, he created out of the essence of relationship. And he can't do anything but be relational. There's nothing you can do that can keep him from being relational. There's nothing you can do that can keep him from saying, here's my number, call me. Point one, God's essence is relational. Point two, God wants us to know his name so we can call him. Point three, God took on human form. We go back to that scriptures. It's still there. Wonderful. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Let me highlight something for a moment. And then I'll go back into the, uh, he came in human form. God never hid himself from man and woman. Okay. So this scripture takes place right after they have done the one thing God said not to do. And they've done the one thing God said not to do because that's the only way we have personal choice. He's, they've done the one thing he said not to do and he still shows up. He's still willing to be interrupted. He still has his calling card. He still has his name there. And it's them who don't show up. Same in our lives. Did you know that... Um, uh, something we would call general revelation, but uh, what's general revelation is that God is present. So God is present right now. But how many of you know that if I was to tally, not everyone here would feel like God is present. Okay. So general revelation says God is present, but I have to make an adjustment to recognize his presence. God walked in the garden and Adam and Eve hid themselves. Right. If Adam and Eve had been just where they were before, yeah. God would have still been there. Yeah. But it says here, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So we often think about, because we can't comprehend the Trinity, right? So we've got God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son. We can't comprehend it, but we have this idea and this understanding that Jesus came in flesh so that he could pay a sacrifice on our behalf in the human form. But, but do we also recognize that before Jesus came in flesh, God was walking in the garden? Right. So whether Jesus was the only expression of human flesh, somehow God was able to walk with humanity before Jesus came on the earth. Yeah. So we can't separate the reality of God wanting a close relationship with us as just trying to make that a facet of Jesus's relationship only. But within the Trinity, within the Godhead three in one, he was close enough to walk with his creation. That means it's not just a part of an aspect of Jesus, but at the core of the essence of our God who created us was this ability to be close to us. 
Yes, Jesus was sent in human form, but yet somehow God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. How unnecessary. I'm sure that God doesn't need to get his 10,000 steps in. I'm sure he didn't need the exercise. I'm sure he didn't need to come and walk. He could just hover. I don't mean that as facetiously as that sounds, but it says that, the, that before the earth was created, that there was a brood hovering. The spirit hovered across. But in this moment, he wanted to be with his creation. God actually wants to be with his creation. You, his creation. Not the person beside you, his creation. Not the person behind you, his creation. Not the person behind, in front of you, his creation. He wants to be with you. He created out of the essence of who he is, is relational, so he created in human form so he could walk with Good. us. Good. The beauty of, a, of our God in, in human form gives us the understanding that he actually has the ability to relate with us. Alone is wrong. Sorry, maybe you can't all hear them back there. That was just, we could hear a C3 Kids team, so. Jesus came so he could walk, but God came and he walked with humanity. I know I've got a lot of papers here, you're right. I want to um, make mention of this and then I'm going to come to a close is um, there's these two ideas, um, one called imminence, and imminence is defined as this. Imminence is God's present and presence and action within nature and human nature and history. And uh, imminence is a understanding of, of uh, God, whether it be the Christian God or non-Christian God, that, you know, have you ever heard this idea that all of creation is who God is? Like that God is in creation. And scripture would give us some, uh, some pictures of that, of God's ability to move through natural order, for his ability to use the laws of physics, the laws of gravity, the laws of, of um, the earth to, set, to move in there. But there's an important distinction that we recognize that God is not just nature. Okay? And Miller J. Erickson in his book says, nature minus God equals nothing. Nature minus God equals nothing. God, however, does have status independent of nature. So God minus nature does equal something. Let me read that again. Nature minus God equals nothing. God, however, does have status independent of nature. So God minus nature does equal something. Before God created, God was. And then he created, and he's a part of his creation, but he is not in totality, just his creation. Transcendence is the, the opposing that God is separate from and independent of nature and humanity. That God is not simply attached to or involved in his creation. He is also superior to it in several significant ways. Michael J. Erickson, the same person I just quoted, says, where imminence, which is God being in nature, is overemphasized, we lose the conception of a personal God. If God is just nature, he cannot be personal. Where transcendence, where God is superior to his nature, is overemphasized, we lose the conception of an act of God. 
where God is just superior to nature, then he has no activity in it. In our lives, the natural order of, you know, the, the, the scripture talks about where there is seed, there will be harvest. The sun will rise and the sun will set. Daytime and nighttime. God is very ordered. Have you noticed his creation is very ordered? That tells us that his nature is very ordered. And I love the, the idea with this, and I know these terms maybe seem a, a bit expansive, but get, get this core here, the imminence, uh, that if the imminence is overemphasized, we lose something, and if the transcendence is overemphasized, we lose something. Here's the beauty of God, is he lives in a paradox. Yeah. Gracious and just. Yeah. Three and one. Yeah. Involved in nature, but above nature. Right. Loving and just. Human, yet God. God is relational. His essence is relational. He gave us his name so we can call him. And he took on human form so he could relate to us. Let me wrap this in a bow for a moment. Is um, I think as we walk through this journey of year of spiritual formation, as we walk through this idea of God unveiled, the reason we start at God, I think I said this at the start, is that if we have a wrong understanding of who God is, we will have a wrong relationship who, with who God is. Yeah. Too many people believe that God is um, angry. Yeah. Too many people believe that God is uh, distant, uninvolved, I know I said this a little bit when I was praying before I started preaching, but I want to read this scripture again. It's, it's Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. If you think that God is the big man with the, um, what are the, the micro, not the microscopes, the, the magnifying glass, right? Killing ants, you know, the evil kid. Does anyone have that picture? I always... If you think that's who God is, well, how does makeful, a joyful noise to the Lord make any sense? How does serve the Lord with gladness, come into his presence with singing, make any sense if he's nothing but personal? doesn't. If he's just creation, how does that make any sense that I come into his presence? Well, it doesn't. Right? So I learned that I can actually have an encounter with a heavenly father. I can have an encounter with a personal being that created me out of the overflow of his love because he wanted relationship with me. So his whole desire for your life is to relate with you. Not to direct you and judge you, but to relate with you. As a parent, I know that I need to direct and, 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 and adjust my children, but really it's through relationship. Yeah. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness to all generations. My wife and I, every once in a while, we, we go on a trip uh, periodically. And, uh, and once in a while, I, I have this fond memory. Because here this talks about singing. And, and um, I know sometimes singing is solemn. But I generally think of singing as non-solemn. You know, if you're singing in the shower, it's probably not a, 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 a ballad. You know, if you're, if you're singing in the car, it's probably not a sad song. It's probably got some joy attached to it. And I have this fun memory. My wife and I, when we're traveling, is uh, every once in a while we'll be around a pool. You know, like those party pools where they're pumping all the music sort of thing. 
And if you don't, that's fine. It's a, a, a pool, and there's music playing, and I don't know what the music is because I'm old. Um, but the music is playing, and like, you know, I, I would do it here, but I'm scared how everyone will respond. But like, you know, if you turn on a little, like, dance music, like, I'll start bumping my head. Right? Like, the music will play, and like, there's a beat, I gotta move. Right? And I look around the pool, and like, you know, start having a little groove or whatever, because there's music, it's a joyful thing, right? You see me in worship, I'm moving, I'm busting a move, because it's a joyful thing. I entered his gates with thanksgiving. I entered his courts with praise. And I'm sitting around the pool, and I look around, no one's moving. <laughs> but I look across the water, there's my wife, and she's moving. Because we have a relationship, and we know the same things, and this, this is this thing that happens, is that we have a joyful encounter together, and if your relationship with God looks anything less than seeing him across the water and busting a move, your picture of God's wrong. You've missed it. Because he's a joyful place. He looks down at you. He sees ashes. He says, I'm going to turn that into beauty. Ashes isn't, isn't enough for your life. Beauty is. Oh, you sinned. You, we see this story. He, he walks with Adam and Eve in creation. They sin, so they create a barrier. He's like, not good enough. I'll send a way to break that barrier. He made a way that that moment where he walked with Adam and Eve could be restored for you and I. Yeah. Because relational is so a part of his essence. Whatever your picture of God is will determine how you encounter God. But let me tell you, God wants a relationship with you. It cannot be subtracted, removed, or grown from it. It's just core of who he is. Thanks for tuning in to a Year of Spiritual Formation podcast. To learn more about C3 Church in Central BC or for additional resources, head to c3church.ca.